Hello, this is the, what is this show called again? INFJ musician that's a Libra and stuff. That's the name of it. So this is the first episode. And uh, I guess for this episode, I'm just going to sort of like talk about myself because that's something I don't often do. Uh, You know, I do music. That's one of the main things I do. And I have all these songs um, that I put together, put them on albums. But a lot of times I feel like it's missing context because uh, people might listen to it and they'll perceive this and perceive that or think this and think that, but then they don't actually know who the person is um, who's delivering it. Uh, so I think that it's sort of uh, uh, my duty to provide that context. And this is it. Okay. So my name is Marco Restrepo. Um, I was born in Marietta, Georgia uh, at West Paces Ferry Hospital. If you want to look that up, it's not there anymore. They actually shut the hospital down when I was born because they couldn't do another one like me. Well, that's what I say, but that's not the case. Uh, so they shut that down. But um, yeah, so I was born there. My mom, my mom is uh, Nigerian and my father, he is Panamanian. I will protect their names just for privacy's sake, uh, but they're not hard to find. Um, and uh I was born, so I'm a first-generation American, a Georgian, an Atlanta native, if you will. Um, So I was born, and they brought me home. Uh, I had a sister. She was probably two, I guess, or she might have been one in in a lot of change by the time I was born. And I came into the world, getting ready to turn two. Her birthday is November 4th. So anyway. I came home. Uh, we lived in like the woods. Like if you if you ever been to Marietta, um, it's like suburbs uh, in East Cobb. Uh, but before it like really got like sort of nice, it was just a lot of trees. So it was pretty much just like this little tall like a uh, cabin looking kind of house surrounded by trees. Not like a cabin like Abraham. It's not called a cabin. It's called a tree house. Like it's a type of architecture. It's like a tall house, vinyl siding. Looks a lot like the 80s. And this is where I grew up. Uh, a lot of trees and crickets and uh, bugs and isolation. And my parents and television. Um, so, yeah, we just, you know, me and my sister grew up watching a lot of TV uh, we weren't necessarily outside kids like that. We would just stay in and we'd watch whether it'd be like Space Ghost or Tex Avery cartoons or Bugs Bunny. We just watch all these cartoons and uh I think and I think the first time that I really started really paying attention to like or getting excited about watching something on television was when I saw Doug. Um and if you're not if you weren't raised in the nineties and maybe you don't know what Doug is, but Doug was like a Nickelodeon show that um, was about like a sort of like a unconfident kid who had a big ima- imagination. And uh, Doug resonates a lot with me. Uh, 
you know, and I think that sort of built an archetype, you know, and he has a cool friend and blah, blah, blah. And he, and he has a crush that he's afraid to tell that he has a crush on. And like that, that in itself is a big uh, aspect of my life. Not necessarily not being able to tell a crush that I have a crush on him, but yeah, that, <laughs> because it, you know, it, 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 it it's it built up like uh that kind of energy um but it all started with that Doug and just and so Marietta let me let me give you more context Marietta is a community that is uh very white uh so growing up there you don't have a lot of diversity in terms of a person who looks like me so you're going to be you know looked at different so that added to um, you know, my, uh, apprehension, I guess, or, uh, you know, lack of socialization, I would say. So I never really, I guess in growing up, you sort of lose like a self value kind of thing. Um, and you know, you have to regain. So anyway, anyway, <laughs> I went on a tangent, INFJ stuff, I guess, uh, so I grew up in Marietta in the woods. And uh, by the time, you know, it was a lot of TV, Doug, Rugrats, uh, a lot of that cool kind of stuff, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, you know, and that stuff just, you know, made me very uh, interested in, in that kind of uh, depiction of life. So anyway, I'd go to school. There's a lot of white kids. Uh, you know, I didn't really understand what racism was at that time but I know the first time I felt different because I was black amongst all these white people was uh, I think in kindergarten and we were out at recess and uh some little white girl um I don't know obviously she wasn't being racist but I think she was being curious uh and she asked me why is your skin so dark were you burned by the sun and I just thought huh I guess I never really thought why my skin was so dark. Um, but my mom's dark. My dad's sort of dark-ish. I don't know. So, but I, that, I I always remember that moment. And, you know, and it, when you're young, or when you look back at when you're young, it's pretty sparse what you can actually remember. I mean, you can recall things if, if there were scenarios or, you know, or sounds or smells. Uh, that you were that you could pick up from that moment but for the most part you don't really remember a lot of it um uh but i remember that and so i know all these things just compound and then so that's growing up there uh going to trit uh and growing up all around all these white people so i was always sort of just like a loner um a funny kid i like i'm a funny guy and i think people generally liked me but I just never really hung out with people uh, because for whatever reason, whether it's that I was sheltered or my parents or, or, you know, kept me sheltered. And uh, so, so with that in mind, with the social aspects sort of missing, I mean, I had friends, don't get me wrong. I had friends. I would go and hang out with kids, but my life, the most important parts of it are the things that I've done by myself. Um, and, you know, when, it, and when it comes to all this INFJ stuff, you know, obviously, I think this is a rearing thing. This is not like you're born with it. So all my circumstances led to me being a person who was very introspective and introverted. 
um and i always say this too i'm not smart like some people will be like oh you're so smart i'm not smart i just have a very unique perspective um and that unique perspective allows me to make sense of things and connect certain dots that maybe you wouldn't uh connect otherwise um uh yeah so like I, like i said i'm not smart because smart people if i were smart i'd be like doing something with my life right not just like a, a grifter musician uh living off the fats of the earth <laughs> but um anyway anyway so yeah so i grew up and and i give my dad a lot of credit uh for cultivating my creative mind my dad was very uh, interested in things like uh, it started with computers. Uh, like he would be, he had worked, had some job with a computer place and uh, he had this PC. Uh, it was like MS DOS and that. And early on, I learned how to, you know, type the little uh, prompts in to get to the the games and like the little paint programs. And that was always fun. And, um, and then the whole computer thing just kept rolling. But my dad, I mean, he's instrumental in getting me into music because my dad was a a big, uh, my mom too, but she was like, she liked pop music. But my dad was a big uh, influence on like a, a person who looked other places uh, to find music that he liked, um, you know, or drew from either it was Motown or soul or old school music. And he would actively buy these CDs seek them and play them for um, me and my sister or not really for us, but while we were riding in his car and, you know, quickly I found that these songs were really resonated with me. I would see pictures like up on the, what's that? And this soul starts getting me down and people are just too much for me to take. I climb way up to the top of the stairs and all my cares just drift right into space so i would hear songs like that and and then also we watch a lot of tv land so i don't know i've always had an old soul and resonated with like the past um it's funny though like hearing just hearing myself trying to make sense of my whole past and y'all probably will listen to this and be like what is he really talking about uh but i don't know that's that's the good thing about this but uh yeah, so I always resonated with the past and I would see that and I would just uh, get vivid pictures of what those songs were talking about in my head. And uh, it would feel so peaceful. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't say that that contributes much to a, a lot or much anything else, but um, I just, I don't know, I feel like I'm a very nostalgic person also. Uh, and, you know, nostalgia can you know be like a shell you know like it can be like something that you draw into um or use for comfort because it, it's something unique uh and it's something uh dear to you um right so uh anyway so anyway so yeah um another thing that i've always been into is like tragedy uh a lot of my favorite things or favorite or topics that I obsessed about. I don't even know if you can call it my favorite things, but like things that I was really obsessed about were like things where a lot of death happened. Like the Titanic um, was something I researched a lot as a kid. I like have the books and get newspaper scraps. And uh, I really enjoyed that kind of thing. 
and I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying all these things, but basically, so my dad got me into music. Um, and Jackie Wilson, you know, was one of the, the big artists that I first gravitated to, um, the Marcells and I don't know, I was just very interested. So I would, uh, I would sing, you know, I would sing a lot. Like what, when we, especially as my, once my dad left, uh, from the divorce and I'd be with my mom, I, I sort of got more into the pop stuff. And then my sister as well, she started getting into sync and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and I, I had the same perception as the world, like, like, damn, this shit's sort of annoying, but you know, she would play it so much that I, uh, my sister in this case, for sync, that I would hear the melodies and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, this music's all right. You know, um, uh, I'd sing along to that too, because I'd memorize it. And my mom, she would just listen to what's on the radio or a uh, John B or, uh, what's that one for? Uh, say what, say what, say what, you know, the night you baby. Yeah, you know what's up and you know what I need. Why can't I think of Donald Jones? Um uh, and all that stuff sort of shaped me. Um but the formative part, let me think, is there anything I'm missing from my childhood? Uh I mean like friends and stuff, it's the inconsequential. Like I had some friends, uh like Frankie, Dylan, Austin, uh who are some other ones that I had? If someone ever listens to this and they're like, oh, how could he not mention me? I'm talking about young, young age, like before it's elementary school. Frankie, Dylan, Austin. Uh, I don't know. It's not important. There was probably an Andrew in there or something. Uh, maybe a couple. <laughs> but just in terms of kids. And Michael, Michael Patankin. Yeah, that, that's that's my guy. But... uh what was I saying? Anyway, so I got into music uh, and it wasn't until like uh, the later years uh, that I finally, you know, started. Oh, wait, Robert. If if Robert ever listens, I fucked with Robert too, man. There's a lot of cool people, man. I want to get to saying all the names. Just meet people I really hung out with. Because you, you're friends with a lot of people in school, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're like good friends with them, right? And you don't realize that when you're school age because you see them and you're sort of forced to be around them all the time. But uh, as you grow older um, you and you have the freedom to decide what to do with your time and you don't hang out with people, then uh, you might be friendly with them. But are you actually friends? I mean, that's a that's a good question. Right. Um, and and it's not about, you know, I've, I've had the desire to be close to a lot of people, but. You know, sometimes things just don't work out like that. And then your desires uh, trail off in a different direction. Um, but at any rate, um, the music, I got into music uh, heavy, heavily when I was around, what age would that be? Like sixth, seventh grade, maybe. And it was Linkin Park, I think. You know, I'm sort of thinking this out out of order, but that was like one of the first CDs I really bought for myself. Um, and it was the, it was something about that music that really resonated with me, and like the isolation that I felt. And um, even though I didn't have a lot of experience with relationships and stuff, it was almost a sadness and a loneliness that you sort of grasp onto. 
Um, and it, you, and, and because it makes you feel like you're somebody or not somebody, it makes you feel something, uh, when you're that age, I think it, it becomes a part of your identity. Um, like sort of the words that they're saying, and obviously you're able to revisit that as you grow older and, um, maybe take away some of it or value some of it a little less, but while you're in it, you can't really, um, if you're built a certain way, you know, you, it's going to be a part of you as you grow. Um, but at any rate, so it was Lincoln Park. And then eventually I grew into um, Sum 41. That was the next band. My sister was one day playing that. She was actually, it was funny. She was playing Sum 41 and then she was playing 50 Cent, right? So I was like, these songs are both really cool. Um, but I gravitated a lot more to Sum 41. And then it was that All Killer No Filler album that I really loved. Um, it really like spoke to me I, to the point where that's when I like, uh, I guess I had always, I had already started sort of like doing the whole thing with my hair uh, where it was like texturized and shit like that. Like identity issues, like a lot of identity issues coming up. Um, but that, it, that's like sort of like, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Because when you're a kid, you don't even know what an identity is. So the things that you're attempting to do, uh, it's like not that deep. You're just trying to to be what you think is cool or, or be what you think has the best opportunity of helping you relate to other people. Despite how far off that might, might actually come across, right? Because you're a kid and you don't know. Um, and that's a lot of people say, oh, if I only knew, but you didn't. Uh, right, so Sum 41. And then uh, I really liked that. And I started, uh, I was into wrestling too. So a lot of the the music I was listening to was also on wrestling. Uh, played Tony Hawk, pro skater. A lot of the music I was listening to came from that. So I'd, I would build a lot of mixtapes. And uh, that was like seventh grade, sixth grade, seventh grade year. I was really into rock punk rock mostly but rock music um uh, what's it called it was uh, the offspring was popular at that time my sister had that cd it was pretty cool she also had eminem but i always never really liked eminem like he had some decent songs but when you listen to that first album and it's like he does all that weird stuff i never resonated with all that weird stuff like killing family members and weird sexual uh stalker noise it was weird eminem you're weird um, but, um, but then it was get Richard died trying, right. That I listened, that it had, it had already been out, obviously like, I'm, I, I forget looking back now how these things sort of happen. Right. But eventually I completely seventh grade to eighth grade. Uh, my dad went to jail for, you know, some bullshit for terroristic threats. He got a year, ended up only doing half, half of that, but it completely changed me because, um, that loneliness and isolation, that loneliness and isolation that I felt before, uh, became anger. And then I embraced the blacker side of my identity or my ego or the construct of what our egos are built to be in this society. 
So I embraced that part, you know, and I, I felt like that swagger that 50 Cent presented was a better alternative to being sad, right? Because when you're angry, you know, you can't really, there's no comfort in sadness when you're angry. You want a resolution. So, you know, I moved to be acting uh, or dressing and feeling and doing things that I felt would exude confidence better. And I just felt hip hop was that thing that, you know, would help me exude confidence. And the swag, I just felt it. I loved it. I love what they were talking about, the stories they were telling. Uh, you know what I mean? And although my, my uh, experiences in that world were limited, I mean, I had some, uh, I had, you know, cousins and, and whatnot and uh, uncles and other family members who would live in more urban areas and I'd visit. I never really thought much of it, but, uh, but at that point, you know, I re I was really identity, soul searching, trying to find who I was in this world. So it, it was the baggy clothes. It was the, you know, trying to uh, talk differently. Uh, you know what I mean? And then, you know, what I realized, just thinking back hindsight on that, it's all about rearing, right? It's all about, you know, who you're around. Because uh, in my later years, when I was at Shambly's, like, it wasn't just me talking a certain way, right? That was who I, I am. Because when you're around certain people, that's the way you talk. Just like anybody knows the difference between sounding, speaking properly and not, right? But it's a choice that you make because the people that you're communicating with will understand you better if you speak a certain way, um, right? So you have to adapt. So it's not necessarily, I look back at it and I think while I was going through it, especially when I started like rapping, I was like, I was worried a little bit about the fake aspect, right? Um, you know, like how, you know, I don't, this isn't even who I am, right? I'm not hood, I'm not a gangster, right? But then at the same time, my music was never that. But then I'd say I, I had like a Southern accent, right? Or a heavier Southern accent than, than, I, than I might have. Or, I mean, people say I sound like from California, but then I've heard other people say I sound Southern. I, I don't know. Just depends on how I'm feeling that day. But, um, right. So I had that heavy draw. Um, well, anyway, so I listened to 50 cent and then that led to like TI. And then eventually I started wanting to write rhymes, like, because melodies and singing, it's always been in my head. Like, uh, as a musician, I don't know if this is relevant in INFJ talk, but as a musician, um, I think in music, right. So, you know, I said earlier, like certain sounds, certain songs would paint pictures in my head. Well, what that evolved into is like the ability to write or, or melodies just come to me, whether it's melodies, I already know melodies. I don't know. And um, whether that was forced contrived or it's just something that was ordained. Um, that's what it was. Uh, so I started writing me and my neighbor, Jeff Campbell even put together like a terrible uh, track where I was like rapping all off beat is before I knew how to do anything audio wise. So I don't know where that is. I think he has a copy of it, but I'm sure it's long destroyed. Uh, it was terrible. Um, but yeah, it started, man. And then I started and eventually I did some freestyles over beats. Um, eventually I hit my, I got with my friend, Sean, we started rapping together, we started a group and uh, you know, and that led 
to Aton the priest, uh, which was like maybe four years later. But I don't quite remember when I actually came up with the name. I think eventually, initially, I was like thinking sweet tones. I was going to be sweet tones or uh, tone tone sounds. Or, uh, there was a, a whole bunch of names that had to do with tone. I wasn't going to say Marco or anything. I was going to Antonio is my middle name. So that was trying to play off that tone thing. So I had a couple names. I don't know why I went with A-Tone the Priest. Looking back, that's like, it was probably a terrible name to pick. Or it, not probably, it is a terrible name to pick to try to get any kind of uh, mass attention, right? People see that name and be like, what the fuck? But for some reason, it just rolled off my tongue. And, you know, now it's a part of me. But uh, I realized now right well anyway i thought that name was cool so i ran with it <laughs> what was it there was gonna be a stacks that was another one i considered a stacks i was like yeah that would have been bad a stacks anyway so um so I, I eventually that led to me and sean uh getting together recording some demos we didn't know there were demos then, but we just were recording a freestyle and writing. And we were both pretty bad, uh, but uh, it kept getting better. Uh, or at least I thought so. <laughs> it, it obviously didn't get that good because uh, I'm not like famous or accomplished or touring or known, but it, it got better. Um and I think the music's still good. It's still out there. But uh, so, yeah, so I got better and eventually um, uh, got more serious about it. Graduated high school, went to college, got an internship at Hot Beats Recording Studio in Atlanta. Um, and, and at Hot Beats, uh, I began, you know, uh, building a career. I learned engineer. The way, the reason I, so the reason I learned anything, I went there, I didn't really know what it was, I was expecting, right? Um, I was just thinking, okay, let me get to the studio and get something recorded. I didn't really know what an engineer was. I just had this whole idea that I was going to go there and I was going to get something recorded. Uh, and I get there and then it's a lot of not recording anything. It's a lot of cleaning and listening to loud music and smelling marijuana and uh, all things I was cool with because I did not talk about marijuana one day. I'll get back. I'll talk about marijuana one day uh, and what I feel about it. Um, but obviously, I smoke weed. Might as well take a hit right now while I'm sitting here. This is my little vape pen. A little vapor for that ass. Okay, so. Yeah, so it's, it wasn't anything like I expected. Uh, and I met Ian, I met KY, met Russ. Uh, eventually, I met Paris at Hot Beast. And these were all very cool people. Um, Dorian, I'm not sure if Dorian was there from the beginning. He probably was. Uh, Taman, Bennett. If I'm forgetting anybody. Well, this is like OG, man. I was like OG cast at the Hot Beats. Like if there was like a TV show. I'm like OG, <laughs> I'm like OG intern forever. Um, 
Well, anyway, it wasn't anything what I expected. It was more like making cookies and running to the store and um, dealing with a lot of nigga shit. So uh, I did that, man. And, uh, and, and all the while, I was still formulating, making beats at home with Fruity Loops, uh, which I had started doing a while back to mix results. But, you know, and, and even what I can say about the way that I've changed, right? Um, nowadays so back then nowadays i think more in, in music right so, but back then i thought more in ideas right so i would it would all be about oh what the rhyme was like little it's the same thing like things happen in life and you feel certain ways about them right uh but when in in you take that feeling and you synthesize it into an expression right so it would be like, you know, podcasting, never not lasting, never lasting. There goes a some action, something like that. That that was terrible, right? But uh, words would come to me, and I'd write them down. And eventually, songs started coming, but more like concepts. Like I had a song called "Shawty Says She Wild Though." It's embarrassing right now. I'm not even gonna "Gabatintad." Don't know no name, but they keep what they forgot. Oh, wow. It was like a very uh, derogatory song. Um, I don't know what, where that came from. But then I had drop bombs. And then that, then I was talking about, like, I didn't like the niggas in the porn. It was a lot of, a lot of weak shit. But uh, I actually came up with ideas for songs. So I eventually I, I got a little money together. had the little – Ian was there. And uh, – you know, it was like, yo, I'll record the song. Uh, I was like, yo, you think Bubba? And Seth, let me not forget Seth. Seth was there. I'm like, man, rest in peace, man. Seth. Um, so Ian was like, yo, man. Uh, oh, I asked him, like, yo, you think he could uh, record me uh, one of these days when nothing's going on? Or if I get here early or something? He's like, sure, man. So I booked like an hour or two. I forget. I didn't have the concept of how long it actually takes to make a song, right? It might have just been an hour. Uh, so I rehearsed and I practiced. And I went there and I went in the studio and I actually got both songs done, right? Obviously, you know, it was, it was the first time really being on a mic, uh, you know, in the studio setting. Like I recorded crap in my bedroom. Uh, but it was the first time being in having a mic in the studio setting and um and uh man like the beats obviously i didn't know how to mix right so you know now i think about it i'm just talking this through obviously ian probably heard those beats and he was like man these shit sound terrible (laughs) But, but man so you know the mix like the rough mix man was crappy man it was really bad I was like, damn. I didn't really say anything to Ian. Like, you know, I fucked with Ian. Ian, that's my dog. But I was like, man, these these mixes sounded terrible. And I was like, shit, I could do that. So pretty much, it was funny. Actually, the, I forgot to say, the first day I ever worked at Hot Beats, uh, Seth, his homie Sears, maybe Chu was there. I forget everybody who was there, but he pretty much like had like a, uh, an intern welcoming thing. 
right? Um, and <laughs> we were supposed to be learning, right? But but the, we go in the room, and the first thing he does, he like he's like, okay, he has notepads for us and everything, right? And uh, the first thing he does is rolls up like three of the biggest jo- uh, blunts of perp I'd ever seen in my life, and he just passed that shit around. We <laughs> so like two hits in, he starts the lesson, and I'm faded, right? I have the the notepad, and all I really remember is like the notes were illegible. But all I really remember is he showed us what auto tune was. And the one dude went in the booth and he, uh, they were playing a beat and he pretty much did exactly what T Pain was doing. It sounded slam like, and I was like, oh shit, that's crazy. It was in the B room. And, um, and yeah, so <laughs> that was how I got introduced in the hot beats. Well, anyway, so I, I pretty much asked KY, uh, you know, how KY and Ian and helped a little too. But I asked mostly KY um, about, uh, you know, how to do this shit. Like, uh, he he taught me some things. He taught me how to record. Taught me how to set up uh, some tracks. Uh, uh, and then from then on, you know, I just kept learning. Right. I actually was. I actually peeked at. Uh, I don't remember if I asked him or not, but I looked at his template one time and I was like, okay. So I pretty much like grabbed his template. And then from that point, it was just about picking up what plugins I wanted to use. And uh, I got a lot of ideas on plugins that I should use from uh, Scott. Uh, you know, so I pretty much like looked at his templates <laughs> and grabbed the plugins he was using with those same settings. And then I just built my template, man. And then I just started making music, making my own music. Uh, and obviously at first it sound bad and then you develop your own style. I developed my own style to pan, uh, but, uh, pan, panning the music. Right. And I developed my own style in terms of, um, how many of the compressors I used. Like I used a shitload of compressors on the master, which probably was a detriment. Right. But to me, it sounded good. It made a lot of shit and people would be, people would be like, damn, man, how'd you make that shit so loud? And they'd be like, very by the time I left Hot Beats, like people were loving my shit, man. I, I saw other engineers like uh, I peep one of their sessions one time, and they had like my plugins in their shit, and like, man, people would people would ask for the uh, for the you know a lot. Of, so it's it's just funny. I say all that just to say that it. Uh, I know what didn't mean to say this, but in in talking through it, it's funny to think that you can absolutely be terrible at something but still be great at it. Uh, to other people, you know, uh, perception, uh, context, and narrative is everything. Um, right. So anyway, I got real good at it, started making my projects, uh, started, you know, in all this time, I was very poor, right? Uh, very poor. Like, in college, I was able to live off college money, um, Right. And then at the end of the college, I started uh, doing some export and importing. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I was very poor from like 2010. Well, all my all my life, I've never really had a lot. But being on my own, like because I, I left the house in 2008. Right, so I was then I was with my dad in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, or nine two thousand nine. My grandma passed, uh, 
Also, my grandma is a big part of my life. One day I'll just talk about my grandma and how much she means to me. But um, uh, 2009, 2010, I was on my own. So since 2010, I've been poor as shit, man. Like, so poor. Like, lights off for weeks type shit. And uh, yeah, man, it's been bad. But... You know, it's, it's gotten better, you know, eventually it got better. But like, so 2010 through then, so I worked at, at the studio till 2015, 16. And um, I was poor the whole time, making music, just just being like a starving artist, literally, like making all these songs and all these ideas and all these, all this artwork and projects and all these dreams and aspirations and ideas that you know i still have it just never came to fruition some of it did and uh you know you can see you know you can listen to my stuff you can listen to my music it's out there marco restrepo atona priest uh it's out there man it's everywhere uh but am i real proud of that stuff no nah. there's some of them you know i look back i'll listen back to it and i'll be like that was really good but i know why i'm not big you know it's just D DIY punk music just across all of it, all the hip hop, all the, it was just like a guy who really wanted to create something and the, his ambition was bigger than his skill. You know what I mean? But like I said earlier, it's like you could be terrible at something and still be great. Uh, that's why I love Kurt Cobain's line. I'm worst at what I do best and for that gift of feel I'm blessed. I feel that same way. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, yeah, man. And so I left the studio and I started just working a regular job, man. Uh, not a regular job, but it was Instacart, um, which was a grocery delivery thing. Man, that, that job sucked, man. Uh, but, you know, it was it was profitable. It was the most money I had ever had uh, just doing that. And um, so I was able to at least pay my bills, right, for the first time ever. Because I, I would have stayed at the studio, right? But I, everybody was, like, leaving, right? Uh, one of my good friends, he just got fired because he's an idiot. Jordan, uh, calling your name out, man. Uh, <laughs> I love you, bro. Uh, he just got fired. And... Um, it, Nina was, uh, you know, still doing Nina, but it was just about to meet me, like, a lot of nights, just there by myself, like, staying till, like, 4 a.m. and, like, listening to terrible fucking music. And that was a big part of it, too, like, um, just the music just started getting worse and worse and worse, and people just started getting more ignorant, and and it's like, there was, don't get me wrong, man, I love my people, man, I love my people, man. You know, some like the greatest, nicest people I met. But for every, you know, that one out of every 10 instances where a person is just like, damn, man, like how's this person such an asshole? It just wasn't worth it anymore, man. And then they were paying me like nothing. So I had to go, like I had to leave. And, uh, you know, maybe I should have like talked to Russ about it and been like, hey, you think you can pay me more, but like I said, you like you come to find out that is a lot of times that that play, and that's what's something we all got to work on, right? 
that play isn't always in the cards, right? Telling people what you want and putting your foot down about it, right? So, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, maybe there's some part of me that I don't care how much they paid me. No, that's not true. If they would have given me some, I would have stayed, man. But I just wasn't, you know, maybe, and it's a value thing. I didn't know my value, right? And they didn't, uh, you know, and, and they made it really easy for me to leave too because they didn't act like they knew my value, right? I mean, they liked me. Like I said, it's, it, that's a recurring thing. Everybody likes me, but uh, I don't know. I think it's it's all about devaluing. You can't devalue yourself, right? And that, you know, as we as we're wrapping up this this first episode, you know, I want to, you know, at least uh, talking this thing through. You know, it's like sort of therapeutic, right? Um, and the lesson in all this in my life. Uh, that I would like to give to people is value. Like know your value and value yourself and be serious about it. Like furious about it. Like don't let people devalue you. You know, don't devalue yourself um, because you're worth a lot. You really are. Everybody can be and is. Uh, even if a person appears worthless on the outside, uh, they still have a value um internally uh because everybody impacts everything right uh i don't know the word for it but every cause you know has an effect right so if you value yourself and you know that you always have something to contribute then you should never feel inadequate or feel that you have to uh, compromise, not just comfort, because you're going to have to compromise some things, right? But compromise your happiness. You know what I mean? You cannot compromise your happiness for the sake of not offending somebody for not uh seeing your value right because you always want you always feel like you want people to like you you always feel like you uh like you sort of want validation right you want somebody to at least acknowledge that you mean something to them right um and of course people they try to get it in different ways, but um, I think that's a big thing, right? Just know your value. Don't compromise on it too much. <laughs> like I say, you're going to compromise a little bit. Everybody does because compromise at the same time builds growth. You know what I mean? Because compromise comes in all different levels. Everything comes in all different levels. Um, so just value yourself, man. Uh your story means a lot, just like mine. I sat here and told my story for nearly an hour. I just lost him. Just lost him. I hope that. I sat here and told my story for nearly an hour, and, you know, your story is valuable. So that's it for this first episode. Um 
I hope you learned a little bit about me. If you listen this far, like, I know people always say that. Oh, if you listen to this, no, but I really mean that right now. Like, I'm grateful and thankful. And uh, just keep up with me, man. I'm going to keep being here. I'm going to keep being alive as long as I'm here. And I'm going to keep on bringing creative things that are in my head uh, for people to see and ingest and process. So much love. Bye-bye.